Hi, this is Real Men, unscripted with Derek and Jerry. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, welcome back to Real Men Unscripted. I'm Derek. And I'm Domingo. Welcome back. Different name because uh, Jerry's uh, recording. <laughs> so Jerry's my, taking a hiatus. Yeah. My guest uh, for part two again is uh, Domingo Lucero, a retired 25-year uh, veteran from Las Vegas Metro Police, plus uh, my fellow Army veteran and... Uh, so now um, we talked about you running from ghosts and stuff, and <laughs> and uh, so and you were an FTO. Um, yes. Now, uh, you you know Metro is a pretty big police department. You know, like I know they're not as big as New York, but they're way bigger than the old department I worked at. Yeah. So would you say there's there's guys like you? There's no way you knew everybody working at that department no definitely not because there's what at the time you were there how many three thousand at the time i was there when i first started there was about two thousand of us that so so we had like we had like officer. 60 so i knew all of our deputies right but there's no way you can know two thousand officers no there's definitely no way so did you ever uh during your time ever pull over anyone that actually worked for metro like they'd badge you and say hey i'm a metro officer oh yeah i pulled over a lot of metro cops and then you just let them go? Uh, yeah. Even if they were no. drunk or anything? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, you know, they um getting trying to get home, you know, a little bit of speeding or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Which is not uncommon for us no. to give breaks to other people that have and I speed. And that's the only reason I do it. I give breaks to normal people and I give breaks to you know, any law enforcement, and I definitely give breaks to any veterans. If you're a veteran, then you're going to get a break from me. Except certain crimes you can't get breaks. Well, definitely, but, like but DUI. infraction stuff, yes. you could. Anything that. Well, they the, don't call them infractions here in Vegas. In California, they'd be infractions, but. Yeah, uh, moving, moving violations. Moving violations here in, in Nevada, you, you, I was you never, would give them a break. Yeah, I wasn't a ticket guy. Um, uh, for all of you out there, there was no quota. You know, you get there still is no quota. Yeah, there's still no quota. <laughs> <laughs> so I was never a ticket guy. Okay. You know? I was more of a um, handle calls because my theory was if someone calls the police, they want the police there like now. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to wait an hour, two hours, whatever the wait time is nowadays. I don't, I'm not saying it's an hour, two hours. I'm just exaggerating a little bit. But, you know, wait times have been rising. Right, um, right. so my thing was always like, if someone calls, then I took this job to be there for whatever it was, cat out the tree, you know, speak to my 10 year old son, whatever it was. Um, I wanted to be there, be the first one, you know, handle the, handle the call. So that was always my idea of it. You know, besides when I was an FTO, then obviously my first focus was on training the, the new cop. And, um, uh, with the FTOs that, I mean, we talked about where You've wanted people to let go, and they don't. But yeah. um, so during these twenty-five years, uh, so I lost a uh, we lost a deputy, Ricky Del Florentino, in twenty fourteen. He was shot and killed inside his car by a homicide suspect out of Oregon. Um, and uh, so this last, uh, I think it was Memorial Day weekend, 
I went to Washington, D.C. I told you I was going there. And, um, you know, they have the their names on a wall there, everyone that uh, was killed in uh, line of duty. And uh, you can take a piece of paper and edge their uh, name out. And so I did that for Ricky. And then I did some names for you. Yes. So during your 25 years, you've had, I'm sure, Metro's had some officers that have passed, right? Um, so talk about that. Like, how did, how does that, you know, affect you during the time when, you know, when you have officers that, you know, pass away and how does it affect the department? How did it affect you? And how, how many officers have you lost on the 25 years you were there? Unfortunately, I've lost count. Um, but I would say that early on in my career, you know, we didn't really lose too many cops. We lost a couple cops that I was aware of. Um, there was a sergeant, Sergeant Prendes, that got shot during a domestic violence. I didn't know him that well, but he was a believer. Um, and he always carried his Bible with him in his car. Mm. Um, they did a service at Central. Uh, his wife got out there and spoke. It was powerful, moving. Um, so he was the closest that I knew. Um, that passed away early in my career. There were some other people, guys that passed away. You know, one guy was going to Laughlin. He worked a jail over there or something, and he hit the back of a semi-truck, something to that effect. There was an accident, mm. and he lost his life, but I didn't know him that well. And then one of our search and rescue guys was doing something at Mount Charleston, and then I don't know how he passed away, but he ended up passing away on the, on, from an accident on the mountain. And then one of our search and rescue guys stayed there with him, until the morning time when they can extract his body. So that was the kind of my exposure where, yes, he's a brother. He's wears the same uniform, but I didn't know him that mm -hmm. well. But the last 10, 15 years of my career, it's just been what felt like every month. Every month we're losing someone. You know, and it all started around um, like 1 October, the Route 91 concert. Um, I lost a good friend of mine, Charleston Hartfield. Um, he wasn't actually in uniform. He was actually there with his wife. And I don't know if it was family or friends, but he was attending the concert. And while the shooting was going on, he was trying to, like, get them to safety when he took a bullet. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't make it. Um, like I said, I knew him really well. And then I knew his son because my son and his son both played football at Coronado High School. And most departments, because he was off duty, probably would not have called that uh, in in line on duty, on yeah, duty on, on, or in the line of duty definitely. in the line of duty shooting. But thankfully, because believe it or not, for the family, if you're going to die, it's best if it's on the job because they can get ben more benefits than if they are off the job, right? Yes. So it was great that uh, the sheriff, I think that was Lombardo at the time, yes, did that. Sheriff Lombardo. Um, so that was great that he, now he's Governor Lombardo, glad that he did that um, for the family. Because like I said, most of the time that probably wouldn't happen. Um, so Route 91, for people that don't know what that was, it was a shooting at Mandolin Bay in uh, October 1 of 2017. Um, where I'm not even going to say the gentleman's name because I don't want to promote him. Killed now, it's the numbers have gone up because people were injured that are have, dying from their that, injuries. That have died from their injuries, but I think it's up to 54, 55 people, um, and then injured. I think it totals up to 
I don't know, two, three hundred. I could yeah, be off a couple hundred. A, a lot of people. Um, and so, although you weren't there the initial night, uh, you, you, and I, I was home sleeping. My son Marcus was working security at UNLV. So he, he uh, was there to bring a bunch of people. They weren't sure if they were victims or witnesses or whatever, because they were shipping them all to UNLV. Yeah. Um, so, but you were there the next day. Yes. What was your role in this, uh, route? Well, 91? the day it happened, um, I remember it because my daughter called me and she's out and about. And then wherever she was at, she's like, dad, what's going on? And I'm like, what do you mean? What's going on? Like people are getting out of cars bleeding. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? People are getting out of cars bleeding. So we had a little interaction. I said, you know what? Just get home. Just get home. So then I talked to my other two sons, my two sons. And then I told them, you guys got to get home. You know, because I wasn't going to leave my house until I knew all my, three of my kids were home safe. So it kind of took a few minutes for them to get home. Um, at that time, our sergeant called us. And he's like, hey, be ready. We might get activated. You know, and then they kind of explained the situation what was going on. But by that time, you could already see it on the news. and. Um, on the internet, what was going on, shooting Mandalay Bay from Mandalay Bay towards a concert venue across the street. Um, so this guy was shooting across at that venue. Um, so then we keep calling him like, dude, come on, like we got to get activated, you know? And it was, it was kind of a mess because, and we learned a lot of lessons from it because guys were just heading there instead of waiting for the call. So now you don't know who's there. You don't know who's doing what, you know, and back then we used to train just us. You know, if you had a squad, you train with just your guys. Right. You know, we've gone away from that. Since now, then you now do training. Yeah. Like, Cause when I worked at UNLV, exactly. we would train, you know, Metro, with you guys, things like that. NHP, so. Henderson, Northtown. So now, now everybody's training. Everybody's cross trained and everybody's trained the exact same way. Nobody has. Although it. the shooting we just had at UNLV, we still had people showing up. Yes. With their ARs mm -hmm. and, you know, they had at least their badge on, but instead of going to a post, they kind of were just running on shooter. campus. Exactly. And, so, and that's the problem we have because you, there's friendly fire. You got to watch out yeah, for yeah. friendly fire. So there was a lot of that. There was a lot of people like me who was off, but I didn't go that went there. Instead, our squad, uh, we had a decent sergeant and he kind of, you know, we did a lot of training before he became our sergeant. So we were already kind of like squared away per se. Um, so we already knew, wait for the call, you know, being former military, you don't do anything until they call right, you. Right, right. So, you know, you're being disciplined and then you wait and you wait and you keep calling them like, dude, like, you know, and a couple of our guys went to the station, um, and they posted there in case something happened. I'm 10 minutes from the station. So it's like, why am I going to go there? I'm going to wait for all my family sure, sure. to get home. And then, uh, one thing led to another and then he calls us and they say, stand down. So we stand down and then everybody that showed up gets to take the day off the next day. And then we take over for that. So our squad got assigned Sunrise Hospital. Um, and that was the main hospital that they were bringing most of the victims. Yes, most, most of, of the, the victims, victims went right? to Sunrise. Okay. Yes. So I get there and then I get assigned the makeshift morgue at the Sunrise Hospital. So I have to take these people into the morgue so they can identify their loved ones. Now, pri prior to this, so sheriff's office back in California, we were coroners, right, as our job. 
So we went on every death, unless it was a hospice case. So I'd seen, I don't know how many dead people. Prior to this, uh, how many, have you seen dead people? Did you guys ever go on calls with dead people? And Because you have, what people don't know, Metro has their own coroner's unit, right? Not Metro. Metro doesn't have, no. Clark, I mean, there's a Clark corner, County has Clark their County own County corner. has their yes. own. So basically, Clark, or uh, Metro doesn't have a No, corner. we don't have no corners. So we were our corners, right? So we would go to those. You guys wouldn't as no. officers. So they would go to dead people, to calls that had to do with dead people. So had, had you, prior to this, had you been on many death calls? Yes. Okay. Like the only deaths we don't go to are, like you said, hospice and hospitals. Okay. Unless it's suspicious, we don't go. But okay. any other death, the coroner will not go until we go. Uh, is that so you can clear the scene and then they clear come the and they take and over? Clear the scene and see if it's suspicious or not. And you don't have you don't do the bagging, tagging. No. They take over. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so because so, back home we we bag it, tag it with the mortuary, and then take it. You know, they uh, take it to the mortuary, but we do all we do it all. Yeah, no, we don't do any of that. We okay. Have, the Clark County Coroner's Office does that. So now you're in charge of getting these family members yes. to identify. How, how was how was that? Um, it's it hard one, probably not to cry or yes, get, get it was teary-eyed. one of the worst days of my life. Okay, to be honest, because there was a there was a couple law enforcement people that were amongst the group. Um, Charleston Harfield was one of them. And when we got like there, a guy from California. No, he's a guy oh. from our department. Right, but there was there one. Yeah, there from was a California. guy from California, LA County Sheriff, something, and then a young lady. I don't know what department she was from. I think it was Florida. Don't mm. quote me. But there was a couple of people from law enforcement that hadn't been claimed yet. Mm. Um, and then we had um, Hart, Charlie, and as we get there, like they're leading him out, mm. you know, and just to see that was like my eyes got watery and. Tears are coming down, you know, because we do the, the whole line thing and then, you know, do the whole uh, convoy with him. And it was kind of sad because I couldn't partake because I got to stay at the you're hospital. Exactly. You're, you're so stay other there. officers went with him and what they do is they follow him all the way to the coroner's office. Um, and then once he gets to the coroner's office then everybody breaks off and then obviously we have the... Uh, the memorial, the funeral, where right. we have the procession for that as well. Um, so seeing him leave kind of just broke my heart because we had just found out. I don't even know. I, I want to say right before I tried to go to bed, they told me that he was one of the victims. Mm. And it was another friend of ours that told our little group in our little group chat. Um, so that was heartbreaking for me, knowing that he was one of the victims. So how many families did you have to... So you... You're the, is anyone with them besides you to, for them to do the identification? Identification. Yes. Uh, uh, a nurse comes in okay. with the family and then leads them to whatever, uh, victim okay. is, belongs to their family and everybody else is covered. And I'm just there that, so. So do you have to write anything down that they identify no, for no, paperwork? No. Wise? That was all the so, hospital. Yeah. The hospital. I was just there so that. You know, you don't know how people grieve. Right, right. You know, some people are going to jump on them and not want to let them go, you know, and we can't really have that based on where we were at, the little morgue we were in, you know, and we're going to, we were trying to get the people identified as quickly as possible so they can um, be released. So you're there all day? All day. Well, once we identified everybody, then um, they wanted me to escort our criminalistics people. 
So anybody that was injured, I had to go with the criminalistics person to take pictures of them. Was that at UNLV? Were no, they that still was at, there? at Sunrise. At Sunrise so still. I went through the whole building. Whoever was injured there, we took pictures. And then if there was no statements that they had done or they were able to give statements this morning, then I had to get statements from them. So it was a long day and it was uh, just to see all the hurt and the pain and the suffering, Just it just kind of broke my heart. Did that, was that something that ultimately made your help with your decision to retire or no not really it actually you retired shortly after that right or a couple of years no, after that no probably five years later oh, okay yeah it actually well that was in 2017 and you retired yeah, 2022 okay i guess it was five years yeah and okay. it, it actually made me want to stay longer because okay. you know as i said before like something happening on your watch doesn't sit well with me like that was my whole mantra like Nothing's going to happen on my watch. Nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to get robbed. No car's going to get stolen. Like, if it happened in my little area, I was going to figure out who did it. You know, and I lived my entire career that way. Like, nothing's going to happen on my watch, you know. So that's how I, you know, and I was at my area for whew, probably 18 years. Yeah, 18 years in my area. So I knew a lot of the people there. I knew, I knew a lot of the players. So. Now, what about the, you know, when I first moved here, you know, we heard about the CC, I think CC's that's what it was pizza. called, CC pizza, pizza shooting officers yeah. that, that that died. Did you know them as well? Yes, I knew uh, Officer Alan Beck. Okay. Um, I didn't know his partner. Um, he was a younger younger officer, um, but Alan Beck was and one, he's of the, one of the names. Those yes. were the, those guys are yes. what you had me scroll along with uh, Hat, what was Hat? Hartfield. Hartfield. And Phil Closey. So you had me do, I think I did four or five yeah. of the wall of the wall for you. Um so so you you know, have seen, you know, officers pass away and and then recently your your son knew someone that was an officer that took his own life, right? Yes. Um, and he worked for Metro. Uh, yeah, he played football with him. It was his uh, starting left tackle. And he was having uh, domestic issues, um, and he just decided this was his easy way out. Yeah, uh, he's a good friend of my son. Uh, my son is not like read into whatever the stories are because he knows him. He personally knew him, and this kid like kind of mentored him. And in he high probably could have got help and got through oh, whatever charges he was looking at. Right? Definitely. definitely. I mean, they try to you know when you have an alcohol problem or a drug problem, whatever. You know, they try to give you chances at least to, you know, to kind of before they just fire you, right? Yeah. Um, unless no, it's he, totally he, criminal. But if yeah. you're asking for help, they usually will try to get you there, help. There, there's a lot of help out there. It's just, you know, the whole macho profession we're in, you know, firefighters, police, military, they don't like asking for help. Right. You know, like I just had one of my trainees, a really good guy. I, I love this kid. And he just did the same thing a couple of years ago. Actually, no, last year. Mm. So it's just like I'm just seeing it more often and often, you know. Um, and it's like, you know, the help is there, you know. There's no, the, the stigmatism of this whole mental health needs to go away. If we're I mean, you guys this. have like peer support and all that, yes. right? I mean, almost every department does. Mm -hmm. So, um, but cops tend to not want to yeah, they help, don't. Right? They don't seek help. They think they can do it on their own or at the bottom of a bottle, you know, and. It's just happening too often. It's just a sad situation. And so now that you're retired, um, do you 
Is there anything you like, do you ever think about, I want to volunteer doing something still with Metro or anything, or you want like, you don't want nothing to do with Metro anymore. Like like you're like, I'm done. I'm out. I mean, I'm done with, I'm done with Metro. Like, um, as far as that goes, um, I know there was this rumor that they were going to hire some of these veteran guys back because they're not getting enough people to fill their ranks or whatever. Um, I told the wife and she squashed it right away. So it was like, and I've tried to bring you over to the Marshalls. Yeah. And you don't want that. <laughs> nope. We got a lot of Metro guys that work yeah. there. They go there. CLS because they still get their retirement plus yeah. their pay. And then they go, our, they know. go to the constable's office, you know, a lot of them work for a legion or the casinos. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that chapter in my life. I think, um, I want to. You're like s- my brother. You never want to put another uniform on. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't mind a uniform, just not a law enforcement. Uniform, okay. You know, uh, but you don't want to really work anywhere. You have. I mean, now you. You know, your wife and you are traveling to different states a lot. Oh yeah, we try to get out of here at least once or twice a month. You know, go see family. You know, and friends. That and there's been East some Coast. deaths in the family recently, yeah. so you guys have had to travel for that. And so, yes. um, but in that life. Uh, retirement's good oh i love retirement um, i should have i should have left early i don't know how jerry's working again oh you gotta be crazy jerry <laughs> <laughs> i know what it is you need the money for all them air jordans <laughs> <laughs> i don't so, i don't wear air Jordans, so i don't need a job <laughs> so do you if anyone if people come up to you you know and say oh man i want to get in law enforcement do you try to like i try to talk people out of it and tell them to you know, go uh, fire or something just because the disrespect that we, you know, nowadays that cops get is way different than back in the day. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's bad cops out there, but we get lumped up. Would you say, I don't want to speak for you. Uh, I'll let you speak. So what about your interactions with people? Were you there during like all the BLM stuff and all that? Yeah, I was a part of all that during my entire career. You know, the racism and um, every cop's a bad cop, even within my own family. You know, there's been a few family members that have said, you know, I don't trust cops. I don't like cops. But you have a, you're like, I mean, we have a lot in common, right? Yes. Army, <laughs> uh, police. We both have a brother that is the cops or mm-hmm. what, you know, mine's retired. But so you have a brother that's a cop. Like, yeah. I mean, we got, a, you know, both from California. We got a lot in common. Yeah. Um, so scary. So you, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, really might be from another mother. So, um, but you, so you've seen, you know, the difference of how you were treated when you first got into law enforcement and towards the end. Um, so do you, when someone comes up to you and says, so let's start with your kids first. Did your boys ever say, dad, I want to be a police officer like you? My oldest, my oldest is the only one that kind of like was geared towards becoming a police officer. And, you know, he's a big, strong kid, but he's, he's a nice kid. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have that mean streak that I think you need, you know, um, but policing is changing. You don't need that mean streak like we did back then, you know, and that was the culture back then. Because when I hired on, like, granted, I policed in four different decades, the 90s, 2000, 2010, 2020s. So there was a progression there where when I hired on, like, nobody disrespected you. You know, you told somebody to get in front of the car, and they spread their arms out, and they walked to the front of your car. That's just the way the respect that they gave 
the officers before me, you know, and now like right before I left, you know, these guys are walking in between you and the person you have stopped and walk right in between as you're talking to this person, you know, and they'll come up five feet from you and, you know, just start yelling gibberish at you and all these sovereign recording, which is their right. Sovereign citizens. Exactly. So the policing's changed in those four decades. And I think that, is what kind of made me feel like, you know what? Every single year feels like I got to adjust and I got to adjust and I got to adjust. So it's like, I'm tired of this. Like, you know, can I still do the job? Yes. But do I want to? And Did you retire line. prior to the Floyd incident or uh-huh. after the Floyd death? You know, that. Oh, no, no, shape? it was after. You retired after, after that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, um, so your son, so none of my kids wanted to go, you know, in law enforcement. One's now an attorney, but yeah. So Kevin wanted to, but you told him, Hey, you don't want to do this. Yeah. Go. Did you tell him go fire? Yes. Is that what kind of- well, actually we wanted him to go to law school. Okay. You know, he got a criminal justice degree in Reno, came here. A friend of mine's a wife. He's a detective. His wife works for an attorney. So she was willing to bring him on as uh-huh. a clerk. Um, but he also had a friend that he uh, played football with, and his his dad's an attorney here. Not the friend that just killed him. No, 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 a no. This guy. is a okay. different friend. So his friend has an attorney. So he actually went one day there, and he did not <laughs> like it. So he's like, "No, Dad, I can't do this." So then that's when I geared him towards the fire department. You know, helping people. Eat and they cheese. they both were ambulance. Yes. Uh, for community ambulance. Um. And yeah. then now they're and now to do one's fire. in the academy and Kevin's gonna have to retest and try again. Yeah, he'll get it. He'll yeah. get it. But to answer your question, you know, Jerry actually came to me also saying he was interested in becoming a police officer. Yeah, and you can tell Jerry about- I did not gear him away from it. I didn't talk. <laughs> you 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 did or didn't? Try, I did not. I said try whatever try. you feel. I told him not to. I said whatever you feel. Like me personally, I wouldn't go through it again. But like I said, policing's changed, and we need more. Like I told him, we need more people like him. But did you want to be a cop? Like, I was 12 when my bike was stolen. That's when I went to become a cop. So, like, I didn't smoke weed, do any drug. You know, like, I thought you couldn't do any of those stuff to be a cop. Now I'm finding out you could do a bunch of stuff. But (laughs) anyhow, like, did you want to be a cop when you were young? That's that's all I wanted to do, the military. I wanted to be a soldier, and I would have stayed in had some clashes with some people there. Um, so I left. And then I, policing was my next step. That's mm. all I wanted to do. Like, there was nothing else in my heart that I wanted to do but be a police officer. Well, it's definitely a, a good retirement, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That, and then you're helping people. And then the bottom line, you're not making anybody rich. Yeah. You know, if you work for a legion, you're making them rich. You work for the Raiders, you're making Mark Davis rich. So I yeah. just... The idea of me making someone rich off of my blood, sweat, you know, concrete construction, like that tore me up. I'm mm. like, man, you're giving me 10 bucks an hour and I'm out here slowly <laughs> concrete? Like, it didn't sit well with me. Mm. I wanted to get a job where I'm helping people and I'm earning what I deserve. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, we still don't get paid enough. I'm right. telling you that right now. Yeah. Cops, firefighters, paramedics, doctors. Teachers. teacher, Teachers especially. They do not get paid enough. Not in this time. All right, so it's coming to that time again. Story time. Where it's uh, story time. Story time. So last story, if you uh, heard part one, he's running from <laughs> ghosts. So uh, 
what kind of story you got uh this i mean you oh, said you had tons that. of stories so. oh i have a ton of stories what about uh I have military. Like a, I have like military a, stories. No, I have no, no. South Co- Central, co- South story. Central LA stories. No, no. I want a, <laughs> I want a cop story, but make it like doesn't have to be group. Okay. Have you ever had to shoot anyone? No. Have you not, ever not shot as a at police anyone? officer? No. Okay. Um, have you ever had to taser anyone? Uh, I never tasered somebody. Oh my gosh! You but I mean, baton. Baton, yes, one time. Pepper spray. Pepper spray, okay. one time. See, All right. All the tools on your belt, I wanted to use one time. The only one I didn't use on a subject. You only used it one time? Yeah. Wow. Except my firearm. I never used it on a person. Um, but I always, like, I had all these tools, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it once. See what it feels like. All right? So my baton, I have a rookie. I'm a train officer. Is this the story? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's going to be a story for each one, for each each um, tool we have. Okay. So this is the baton story, right? So... I have my uh, trainee, right? It's a car, Bonanza, and Lamb, apartment complex. Pull them over, right? You got two males in the front seat, right? So I'm talking to the driver. He's on the passenger side, right? So the driver, like, I could see he's uncomfortable, and he's, like, keeps talking to me like 100 miles per hour. So obviously, they've already scoped it out that this guy's a rookie, and I'm not. Right. So he's talking to me, trying to get my my attention, and I'm looking at my partner. And then just like that, as he's talking to me, I look up and the guy opens the door, pushes the my partner, and takes off running. Right. So I immediately point to him. I was like, dude, you better not go anywhere. You better stay right there. Right. So he takes off after him, and then I run after him. Well, he's in front, but then I pass him. You know, my younger days, I was pretty fast. So I run past him, and then the guy's running, and he made a mistake. He ran against the wall. And I don't know if you guys have seen the apartment complexes, but they got that those little, like, the stucco or whatever. It's like sandpaper, right? So I'm like, ooh, I gotcha. So I'm running, so I hit him against the, the wall, scratch him all up. He falls, right? And he's a big guy. He's a solid 230, two, yeah, around 230, 235, just a solid guy, right? So then I get on top of him and he does a push-up with me on top. I'm like, whoa. And my partner's no skinny guy. And he falls on top of me and we can't get this guy down. And I'm like, oh man, what are we going to do here? So then I don't know if they train you the same way, but it's like the, the table. You take one of the legs off. So I grab his arm, take it off, boom, fall on the ground. So I roll off of him. My partner falls on top of him, get out, get out my baton. Right? He gets on all fours, about ready to run, and he gives me a nice target on his thigh, the back of his thigh. So I rear back with my baton, and I smack him on the thigh, and the baton curves. Were you back then, were you using a straight or Straight, PR expandable or? straight baton. Expandable. Yeah, okay. so it's, and that thing just bent. So I just mm-hmm. threw it. He started running again. We get him on the ground again, and I'm like, oh, what are we going to do here? But by that time, he was winded. So I'm like, oh, thank God. So we were able to get him into custody, and then I look at my baton. I still have it at home, and that thing was, like, almost a perfect U. I was like, whoa. And then, you know, we did a search warrant. He's an ex-Fallon. He had hit a gun under the seat, so he was trying to get to the gun. But because I didn't focus all my attention on the driver, I kept directing my attention to him. Because with us, only one person can talk. Both people can't talk. The other guy's your cover guy, and one's the contact guy. 
So I kept directing him like, hey, dude, stop fiddling. Stop moving. What are you doing? What are you doing? So and he found out, I guess he was either trying to put it in or he was trying to get it out, but he couldn't. And then that's when he ran. So he was the passenger, right? Yes, passenger. So passenger leaves. I mean, why not just let the passenger go? I mean, the drivers, who's your, who you pulled over for something, right? Yes. For a violation, well, have, but now you you're have, leaving the driver there. You have and, probable cause on the driver. Right. Right. For so whatever. Why, why and bother the, the... Because he's running. So he's running for a reason. Nobody just runs for no reason. Right. So now we have reasonable suspicion. Why are you running? Right. And there's three things. You either committed a crime, you were about to commit a crime, or you had already committed a crime. So that's our, that's our reason for chasing him. The driver stayed there. And he stayed there throughout the whole thing. We went back, gave him his ticket, and he gone. You still gave him a ticket? Yeah, I gave him that? a ticket, towed his oh, car. Gave him a break. Nope. We towed his Since car. Since he stayed and there. We, <laughs> and we actually, he, my rookie did the first search warrant as a rookie. He did a search warrant on the car for the gun. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so that was pretty good. And then the taser story, me and my partner, the one with the, uh, the old guy. So we got this domestic female locks herself in the bathroom. She's not coming out. Right. So we're trying to get her out, trying to coax her out. She's not listening. So then I boot the door in and I'm about to go hands on with her. And my partner decides to deploy the taser. The taser. So I'm lucky that I went over the top and the bottom of my arm because they come out at an angle. Yeah, yeah. So as I grab her, but then I touch the probe. And I mean, that shock was like, ah, so uh, that's when I said, I'm never going to use this taser again. And I've never used well, the it new ones the, are a little better. Yeah, they're a little now, bit better. But, but yeah. And, you know, you, you were scared to touch her because you're like, man, is this going to shock me right, again? Right. Like, no. And then where it landed is like, OK, how do we get this thing out? Because all she had was like a tight shirt on. I'm like, I'm not touching that. I'm like, I'm not going to pull this thing <laughs> out. You know, and when we first got them, the training was not as detailed. Because now, you know, they show you how to put your hand and then you have right. a white little tool and it pulls it out for yeah. you or whatever. So that didn't really play in our minds. Like, okay, how are we going to do this with where it's at? You know, same thing with now certain parts, we have to call medical to come yeah. and remove it instead of us removing it, like private parts, right, facial. Right. So that's a good thing, you know, because nowadays anything can happen and anybody can say any complaint. Um, so that was that. And then the pepper spray. Um, same partner, the one with the with the elderly male and the taser. So we we get this guy, get him in front of the car. He starts fighting, and I'm trying to get him into custody. So I lean into him, and without him telling anybody, he goes around and he tries to spray the guy in the face. While the guy too close to yes, probably do that, and the guy moved his head and he got me instead. So I disengaged. I'm like, you're on your own, dude. And I went over there, snot and crying and spit. And he was on his own with this guy. My, and, my partner did that once. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I, it was the most horrible feeling in the world. You know, and then in the academy, another little funny story. In the academy, I didn't, you know, I'm from the military. We don't have pepper spray. Right? So they, it's a joke. You know, they don't tell you not to touch your private parts after you get pepper spray. <laughs> So they line us up, they pepper spray you, ah, and then you go to the bathroom, wash it off. Well, dummy me, I go to use the urinal. <laughs> so I get a little bit on that, and it's like, ah. Well, it's little anyhow. Burning, so yeah, that's matter, true. But. 
it's a burning sensation and it's like whoa what is going on here mm. so yeah i mean that's that's way too many stories right yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's three now i gotta save some for any other time yeah talking. yeah <laughs> all right well uh <laughs> i just want to thank domingo for coming on both uh part one and part two and again hit the uh like share button you'll hear a little ding because uh jerry uh does a cool little ding ding and uh share it with your friends and family and uh until the uh next one uh real men unscripted thank you for having me here peace have a good night peace out thank you for listening to real men unscripted with derek and jerry 